Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art and Happy November. Today is November 1st, uh, what we're calling Christmas Podcast Day, and I hope that you are enjoying all the wonderful Christmas episodes that are coming out today. Well, many of you are joining me today, having said goodbye at the end of last Christmas, and you will find a whole year's worth of episodes and stories that uh, I've recorded throughout the year just waiting for you. Also, uh, some of you are new, uh, perhaps, and are just finding our podcast, so I want to welcome you. So I want to get, get you up to date on a few things, and then and my daughter Grace and I are going to sit down and talk about some of the Christmas things that she's involved with at school and some other Christmassy thoughts. First of all, I have started writing the occasional blog post over at thevillagecollector.com, and you can find it there if you go to the Christmas Corner tab. Uh, in, in November, I have three blog posts planned, and hopefully I'll have time to do <laughs> get them written. Um, I'm going to be coming up soon. I'll be talking about my grandpa at Christmas time, as well as some uh, other seasonal delights coming your way on the blog. And uh, also while you're over there, just take a few minutes to look around Bill's website. He's got a, a wonderful Christmas villager uh, website with lots of different uh, articles and videos and even uh, games to play. All of it is free and he is such a genuinely kind person to invite all of us to help engage his community and I really appreciate it. So I've also been doing another podcast throughout the year that I'll be doing. It's called The Bookshelf Odyssey. I've had so much fun reading stories and talking to Christmas authors uh, here on this podcast. It, it just kind of spilled over to a non-Christmas podcast. And I'd, I'd love for you to follow me over there as well. Um, on my YouTube channel, I post video versions of of uh, The Bookshelf Odyssey podcast where I interview authors. I have other shorter uh, book-related videos and reading challenges and different things I do. Basically, talking about books all year round. I've been able to meet some wonderful new friends uh, and have some great guests on, and I'd love for you to take a listen to that as well. We also have a new a new fur baby in our life. Uh, her name is Pumpkin. She's a four-year-old Australian Shepherd uh, we rescued from the uh, Humane Society. Uh, she is such a sweetheart. I am sure I will be doing uh, videos and, and things about her and actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about her with Gracie today, so I'll, I'll save any conversation for that. But she's a big sweetie for sure. Please uh, make sure you subscribe uh, to the Cozy Christmas Podcast YouTube channel. The next two months in November and December, I will be posting some bonus content over there with um, some author interviews of Christmas books, um, some, be doing some book reviews as well. Essentially, same content that you'd find on this podcast, but just some different way formats trying new things and different things. So it's something I found I enjoyed doing through my book podcast. And if you like to uh, to watch podcasts versus listening to them, um, I'll have some videos going up over there. Some of what I post on YouTube will be in the episodes, but then some that I post will not. You want to be aware of that. All right. And then uh, this month's reading prompt for November is to read a holiday story as uh, November is, uh, I mean, it's crunch time now. It, it's it's go time now for Christmas movies, stories, music, everything. If all goes according to plan, today I, I will be listening to this brand new episode while drinking my first eggnog of the season, and I can't wait uh, to get that. I'm going to buy it in a, a smaller uh, container. Not I'm not going to go for the big quart yet. Uh, we're not quite there. I want to ease into the eggnog. Uh, I, I will be ready to go and looking forward to it. You know, and we mean business around here. So find your favorite Christmas story, your favorite holiday story and read it. And, and then December's reading challenge is going to be reading a holiday classic. You know, uh, I'll, I'll be reading a Christmas carol either this month or next month. I've got a lot of Christmas books planned that I'm going to be reading. And, and along the way, I'll be sharing with you some of the classic Christmas stories I find, as well as recommending some current day reads. I've got some fun guests planned, uh, some that are involved in, in writing books, writing plays, 
producing musicals, uh, a couple starring in, in some or, or acting in musicals, uh, all kinds of things coming up this month or this this year. All right. Well, without further ado, I'm going to have Grace stop by and we're going to catch up with her. Welcome to Gracie. She's going to hang out with me for a little bit here. So today, November 1st, is Christmas Podcast Day. I hope you are enjoying the millions and millions of podcasts that are being dropped, uh, even as we speak. It's very exciting, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, but we are here decked out in our Christmas t-shirts because now that it's after Halloween, it is time for Christmas, right? Well, technically it's not after Halloween. Although, looking at my shirt, I realize I probably should have ironed it first. But you can find this sweet merch at the t-shirt store linked in my show notes. So check There's that also out. also mugs, bookmarks, stickers. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now that we're, we're done hawking our, our merch here. Anyway, uh, there is a lot. <laughs> my, my coffee. There has been a lot of changes in our house since, uh, well, even since last month and since mm-hmm. last time Gracie was on. Oh, a lot. Um, one is that we got a, a, we got a puppy dog. Um, of course, we had to. Yeah, uh, she is a four-year-old Australian shepherd named Pumpkin and is adorable. I, if I had thought about it, I should have had her up here to have her record Hang on, I'll come get Up here. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'm sure some point I'll, I will put a video up of her. Of her. Yeah. Yes, she's a definitely. little munchkin. Absolutely. Yeah, we got her from the Humane Society and uh, it's such a great organization. They're, you know, rescuing dogs and cats and finding Other them homes. Animals. Yeah, this one actually had a turtle there, an aquatic turtle, and... It called it, uh, there's a label on it, and it said something like, it, it called it like some kind of hairless um, dog breed, I think it was on there. I can't remember what it was, but it was really oh. funny. What do you think Christmas will be like this year with a, with a dog? Well, I definitely think that the person on Christmas who will be getting the most presents is Pumpkin. We're going to just spoil her like an insane person, probably. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what mom said. She's like, don't person who's getting the most presents this year is Pumpkin, probably. Because yeah. <laughs> she's just, we spoil her already so much. And yeah. um, I don't know. It'll just be different, but in like a good way. And yeah. I think it would be so adorable to get her a bunch of just Christmas outfits and a Santa hat <laughs> and like take 20,000 pictures. Uh-huh. Because. I already caught you trying to stuff the cart at PetSmart with... Uh, um, Christmas dog dresses. I, and... I, I did no such thing. He's, he's a liar. <laughs> a liar. Nope, not me. Not me. Nope. I would never. Of course, I am probably guilty of the same. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, she's adorable. We, we are happy to have her with us. Yeah. So that has changed. Let's see. Uh, well, let's see. Now you're in eighth grade now. And yeah. <clears throat> since I think you're on last, you talked about being in the musical of music nightmare on elm street or whatever sound of music oh sound of music that's what it was <laughs> nightmare on elm street the musical that is not no <laughs> i was in the summer man it really has been a long time mm-hmm. so it's my first time being here as an eighth grader and probably next time we'll take a long break and then i'll be like a 10th grader no. <laughs> the ex- uh the fun thing though is that this fall at the, the high school they're doing elf the musical as their fall musical uh, and I think I mentioned it in passing in the last in the last episode. So Grace, you have a part in that musical. What are you, what are you playing in the musical? So the main lead roles and like the main people are high schoolers, so like ninth grade and up, obviously. <laughs> Seventh and eighth graders get roles as elves, like just doing hmm. random stuff. And it's like very short, like one scene. Um, well, el- elves are very short. Yes. Nice <laughs> pun. But anyway, dad pun. Um, Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're only on for like one song and that's okay, you know, at least we get to be a part of it because honestly, I think it's kind of dumb that from the age of four, you can do sports and you can do whatever you want, but to be in any sort of music or I guess you can do band and choir starting from like fifth grade, sixth grade even, but even mm-hmm. that's like ridiculous, but to be in 
any kind of production, any special musical choirs, you have to be mm. in high school. Mm. And that's just something that I find kind of dumb, but, you know, that's just me who likes that kind of thing. Because, um, like, four versus 14, like, the, mm-hmm. where you, like, and, but anyway, doesn't matter that much. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, I mean, I think part of what, because uh, I remember I was talking with the, the music director, and, you know, she had said, because that you and your friends were in the musical and he did such a great job in the community theater, she she was looking for a musical that would be able to be in, involve some of the younger, you know, the junior hires, mm-hmm. um, especially knowing that she was counting on you to try out for a part. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was really neat. And uh, but yeah, I think it'd be great to open it up to the younger crowd. I'm not saying like they have to do it with high schoolers because mm. you could always have like a high school play and like an elementary play because like obviously high schoolers and elementary students would not be on the same level probably mm-hmm. as so like and I can see why it could be frustrating but like I don't know I just it's always kind of bothered me but anyway so yeah we're elves but it's like really sad because at my school everyone likes sports and like <laughs> all that true. and yeah. so there's literally like nine of us who are elves i'm like really guys that's all we can do here like <laughs> and like half the kids at like half the seventh and eighth graders like oh yes i want to do this so bad we're gonna be the best elves blah 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 and then like nine signed up i'm like mm. all right that's a little disappointing guys but so there are a few speaking roles like very short speaking mm-hmm. parts like um okay so the part where charlie the elf who is played by my best friend she got that part so he's like special talents you know like he's trying to find out buddy's talents like to mm-hmm. encourage him because he says he's the worst toy maker and he's a conhead and ninny muggins <laughs> <laughs> right but so basically when like the people who say his talents are those little parts like you're the best basketball player in the whole north pole and like and you're the only baritone in the elf jingle singers like those little lines like yeah. Are like random speaking lines. I have Shawanda, which is a. I have like four lines, I think. So basically, her and Charlie conversate for a while about Buddy being a human. Like that part where mm-hmm. Buddy overhears those two elves under the stairs, like talking about how he's a human. Like, and then he like catches them saying it, you know, like mm. that part. I don't know. If you know elf, then you probably mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. But yeah. anyway, so yeah. Um, so. Very small speaking roles, but, you know, I'll take it. It's good to have all kinds of different experiences with theater, um, small roles and big roles and medium roles, whatever you want to call it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's good to experience every one because, like, obviously, you're probably, like, if you're a normal actor, you might want the bigger part, you know? But, like, it's good to experience all different ones because you're not always going to get the big part, like, and you might... I don't know. <laughs> right, no, right, yeah. Um, sometimes you get the starring role and sometimes you're, you know, the elephant poop scooper or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Do you guys have elephants in your play? Because uh, I'm no. not going if, it, but... if you don't. Okay. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's funny, the elf. Right. So does, I, I assume it's basically like the movie probably keeps pretty similar. Just Yeah, it's just shorter, shorter like much yeah. shorter. Like there's parts that are taken out. But like the whole main story is there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that all the people chosen for like the bigger roles are just perfect for it. They have mm-hmm. the personalities for it. Especially the boy who plays Buddy and the boy who plays um walter hobbs he Mm -hmm. is excellent like top tier like it almost makes me laugh just how like serious and like solemn and like yeah just oh good yeah like those are the two roles you really want to make sure you get right i think and buddy yeah oh my gosh that kid is (laughs) kind of insane but that's kind of how buddy is so it works yeah perfectly well yeah I, i know um we're probably the only two who actually know the kid who's in the play, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's tall and gangly and hyper, and he's he's a good uh, the kid. Buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a good buddy. And when I heard he was cast as Buddy, I thought that's perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, he's done improv in the like high school speech meets and stuff, and he, he's really he's Talented, really good. Yeah. yeah. So um, this this will be actually the first weekend in November, I think. Right. Yeah. Like okay, yeah. and we found out about our all of our parts, like what we got. 
one week ago. Mm, Exactly. Like right now, one week ago, like Friday of last week. It's Friday when we're filming this. It's the first weekend in November. So we had like probably two weeks to learn everything. And that's okay because Mm -hmm. there isn't a ton that we're in, but we're kind of struggling. <laughs> yeah. So yes, pictures to come that I'll post when Gracie's in her adorbs little elf costume. I told her that she should wear the Cozy Christmas Podcast t-shirt while she's on stage so I can get some free advertising, but... I don't think anyone would really read my shirt or care at all. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No offense. No, no. We, we, the, our, our area seems to have a lot of Grinches in it. I don't know. Exactly. People are so... <laughs> it was like December 10th. And this dude was like, it's not Christmas time. I'm like, what is wrong <laughs> it's with you? December. You know, we have we have a big like Christmas antique festival walk thing in town, mm-hmm. like the weekend of Thanksgiving. And the whole town gets decorated. It's this big production. It's really fun and Christmassy. But then that's like it. Then Our we just... Christmas tree in the town was so sad last year. It was so bad. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty sad. But With like a few sad ornaments and some garland. It was honestly so bad. It was funny, but <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there's a place I, I might want to go to this year south. Um, I think it's like a forty minute drive. But this guy has a, a big farm and he decorates his field with just tons and tons and tons of Christmas lights and decorations and. People drive from all over the area just to come out and see it. Uh, mm. And we, we've gone there once before. It's kind of a long drive for us from mm. where we live for, you know, honestly how short it would take to drive past it, but it's still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I love Christmas lights. I just don't know if I love the installation of said Christmas lights. <laughs> it's, I, I have enough by the time I get the tree up and, and the lights on, I think I'm just pretty much ready to be done with decorating. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of a, I don't know what to call it, but I'm going to call it like a Halloween Scrooge. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Halloween to me is fun for like a, a week or two. Like, I like spooky stuff, like spooky games, mm-hmm. spooky things, but then that's about it. It's just not my thing. Like, I don't get how people like Halloween over Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. like okay, yay, you dress up and get some candy. Woohoo! Whereas Christmas, you just, like, get to spend time with your family and you get, you get presents. You get to see pretty Christmas lights, Christmas trees, Christmas everything. Music, it's just yeah. cookies. Oh, cookies. And not that, like, you can't mm-hmm. do that on Halloween, but that's just how I feel about yeah. it. Yeah. No, um, I, I, I get it. Like... I, I like I like dress I, I I like being in a costume because I like to act and play and that's mm-hmm. you know stuff I wish I could do more mm-hmm. so that's fun at, at one point you know I was always thinking all right candy I love candy but you know now if I want candy I just go buy it you know and honestly like with me I <laughs> don't have I, to leave my house <laughs> the reason is I don't really trick or treat much anymore but like yeah. I get twice as much candy on Christmas as I do Halloween just because like, yeah. Well, and, and some people are big into Halloween, and that's that's, that's fine. fine. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that at all. I just, I personally don't love it as much mm. as like Christmas. Christmas is like up here, and Halloween's like <laughs> down there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There well, you go. well my I ranking. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I I like the Halloween time of year like because the stories and stuff. I, well yeah especially the stories and, and scary spooky movies like i don't like gory movies but like a good ghost movie or ghost story mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. really fun and like i love fall that's not mm-hmm. i'm not saying i don't like fall i love fall like i love fall vibes fall like apple cider pumpkin spice mm. latte like i love that whole vibe i'm just pumpkin i got i've got pumpkin spice creamer in my coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> all right you, you try you try some you see if she likes it. Ew, it's cold. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's cold. <laughs> Ew, it's cold. <laughs> well, it's not cold. It's just it's room temperature now. It's disgusting. How do you drink that when it's cold? If it was hot, it'd be good. But <laughs> ugh. a little too bitter. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like it. It's the uh, I think coffee mate flavor pumpkin pie. So it's good. It's good. I yeah. just would prefer like it. Well, uh, so anyway, we made matter. it to November. <laughs> What kind of things should we do this year for for to celebrate Christmas to make Christmas fun? Um, 
Um, just the time with family. I really, I'm going to sound dumb, but I really like it when everyone's <laughs> home and like we just, mm. like we, I don't know, when we decorate the tree, especially mm-hmm. like when Ryan is here and like right. Morgan and like everyone's just mm-hmm. all together and like, I don't know, that's like my favorite part. Yeah, like, no, it's it just was. just spending time decorating and like, like the presents, I love the presents, don't get me wrong, like I'm not saying I don't like presents, but like. It's just the whole vibe of Christmas just makes me happy and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I I love decorations. I love the music. I love the c- treats and like, like just baking cookies. Oh yeah, like, even if I don't eat them, just bake. Well, okay, I love to eat them. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but even just baking them is fun. Christmas movies. Oh yeah, Christmas movies. Yeah. Oh, I am excited. You know, the Santa Claus. They mm-hmm. are making a, a mini series of Santa Claus uh, that I think is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, you might be. Maybe you'd like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love, well, the Christmas movies. Because, so. you know, he put on the suit to become Santa. You know that movie? Mm-hmm. So I think it's like six or eight episodes. I can't remember. And he wants to retire now because he has had more kids and they've lived at the North Pole. And he wants to be able to spend time with his family. And I, I just saw the trailer today. It looks really sweet. A strong family kind of connection there. So mm-hmm. am I boring you? <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to ask you. So this might actually have to wait. But so this year in upcoming in school, you and your, your English class, you guys are going to be studying a Christmas carol, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent. So do you need a copy to read? Because I have like 20. Well, obviously. <laughs> I don't think like, I don't know. Like we're going to watch some movie too. Ah. And like study it and everything. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll have to <laughs> have you. I don't know much you... about it. It's pretty short unit just around yeah. Christmas. Well, I'll have to have you, uh, after you've done your studying of it, have you come back on and tell us what you think about it. So yeah. it can be done for extra credit. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I we had our parent-teacher conference the other day. And, <laughs> what are you going to say about me? <laughs> no, and we were talking with, my wife and I were talking with her English lit teacher and we got a little sidetracked talking about our our favorite books, and oh my goodness, she just she got loves to read. She just got done teaching uh, a couple of Ray Bradbury short stories, and then she mentioned she was going to be teaching um, a Christmas Carol, and I was like, oh, these are like my two favorite authors. So thank you for <laughs> teaching such great literature <laughs> to yeah, my kids. Yeah, <laughs> she is very very good teacher. Um, yeah. Before we go, Grace, I have a, a Christmas joke for you. Okay. Uh, what did one snowman say to the other snowman? What. Do you smell carrots? Because, you know, their noses are carrots. It's <laughs> no. not fun. Yeah, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll have some bonus videos popping up there over the course of November and December. And Also, go buy all our merch because it's lit. Yeah, our, our merch is lit, and it slaps. Uh, it slaps different. And <laughs> you can look like a snack when you wear them. I, I don't know. I'm trying to use slang. All right. I think we probably have more bloopers than not in this video. So I will uh, call it good here. All right. Everyone uh, hang tight because I believe up next I have a story I'm going to read. Uh, So I will see you on the other side of the stinger. The North Pole. Oh, I'll see you on the other side of the North Pole. Take care. Bye bye. So for our Christmas podcast day, I have a special guest. So my guest today is Pamela McColl, and she has written what I consider to be the definitive history on Twas the Night Before Christmas. The publication history, the art history, it covers it all. I'm also going to be doing a book review on the book on the YouTube channel, so you can keep an eye out for that. Because of the visual nature of the book, I think it's really worth you being able to see the beautiful craftsmanship that went into this book. I know you will enjoy this interview with Pamela McColl. I have a special guest on the podcast today. Uh, her name is Pamela McColl, and she has written a book called Twas the Night, The Art and History of the Classic Christmas Poem. And as uh, this year we are celebrating 200 years since uh uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas, or A Visit from St. Nicholas was first written. Pamela, uh, welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast. 
Thank you for having me. I, I've been gushing already to you about just how beautiful this book is. Uh, it's, uh, I, I know on the podcast you can't really see it, so you can imagine it, but it, it's a big hardback book. It has beautiful illustrations throughout it, and I can just leaf through it and, and, and get in the Christmas spirit just looking at the pictures. <laughs> well, I designed the book um, really for people to open any page and sort of enter into the world of Twas. So mm -hmm. one could read the book, as you probably noticed, you could read the book from the beginning to the end, but you can also just flip through it and find something that intrigues you. One of these wonderful images from the you know major art artistic talents of the 19th and 20th century. Definitely. Um, well, uh, folks might not have heard about you uh, or, or know who you are. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and uh, who you are and, and what you do? Sure. Well, I have a history degree. I have my educational training is in history and art. And then I worked as a corporate art consultant for 25, 30 years, buying art for hospitals and governments and corporate clients. And then I started publishing in the 1990s and sort of specific special projects. I've published probably 12 books now, I think, in total. But each one has to have like a theme and a real campaign to it. And in 2012, I published the very famous poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, and I did it without the smoking Santa which I did because I'm involved as a volunteer in child's rights movements as far as uh, protecting children from tobacco. And mm. uh, it went crazy. <laughs> it just <laughs> went crazy. And so it got huge media attention around the world. And it was it far exceeded any expectations I had of the project. And it ended up giving me a platform, um, which I continue to advance <laughs> when I have time. <laughs> So that kind of got your interest into the poem itself from the sounds of it. Yes. And I, when I did it, you know, did this small edit, you know, the, the backlash was enormous. And mm. I realized how much how many people love this poem and consider it part of their heritage and, and really don't want anybody messing about with it. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> so you're on sacred ground then. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It got to be really crazy. I actually was accosted. I was signing books at the Troy library after doing an event in Troy, New York. And a man walked up to me and took a book off the table and smacked me over the head and called me a heretic. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> For simply editing out the pipe. <laughs> so, you know, it got a bit crazy. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, hopefully the response to this one is, is a little bit better <laughs> or kinder yeah. anyway. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, well, and I appreciate your approach to, to this book, you know, as a historian, you're, you're probably wanting to make sure you know, you get the facts right. So I, I think earlier on the book, you, you do mention about how there is some discussion over who actually wrote the poem, but you said you kind of, you're not going to really tackle that. You're just going to present the historical evidence that, that we have. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's a good approach as a historian. Well, 10 years ago, when I did the Smoke Free book, I decided to do this. So I worked on this mm -hmm. for 10 years, the book in front of you. I mm -hmm. took my time and I, as you said, had to make sure things were correct. And I also took the time to go and read some of these other great writers, such as Washington Irving. And I, I looked up, you know, all kinds of really interesting archival, you know, records. And I really, really took my time and enjoyed myself and, and immersed myself in this topic. And I think that was just, it was just so much fun. But it, there also came a point where as you can probably imagine, it became very overwhelming because we're kind of talking about the history of the Western civilization because the starts of the Roman Empire, right, mm -hmm. with St. Nicholas. Right. <laughs> so at some point, I think it was the middle of last summer, I went, oh, my word, I'm writing the history of the world. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, right? Right. <laughs> now what do I do? Like, how do I how do I pull this together, right? Because it's like yeah. everywhere you touch, everywhere you look, it's like, oh, Christmas. It's like, it's, uh, but I focused it on America history, American history, and you know, the arrival of the pilgrims and, and that whole era, and then followed it through the American Revolution and the American Civil War. And so it, it you know, the, there's some structure to it because Clemency Moore, the poet, I would say of the poem, was born at the end of the American Revolution and he dies at the end of the American Civil War. So you've got sort of a bookend there. You've got, you know, those two dates. Mm -hmm. And so the book primarily deals with those, 
that era of time. Um, and then you have the first illustrations of the book sort of showing up in the 1860s with FOC Darley. So that whole period through the golden age of illustration are really the focus of the book um, mm. because that was really the heyday of it. Yeah, and uh, I'm just getting distracted again by the pictures here, but I, I was looking particularly, the, um, occasionally you'll have footnotes on the pictures about a little bit of the history of the picture and or the photograph, and um, there was one that I, I thought was real uh, fascinating. It was uh, right towards the beginning, it says the, uh, the image for the cover was created by Helen Chamberlain um, around 1920, and, that was, and that's the one that they found um like on the streets of new york city i think is, is that what you said it's really interesting i mean yeah. it was really tough to pick a cover and it was down to nc wyeth um i really love wyeth's work and i wanted a santa claus that had sort of that elfin character to it too but then i also wanted one that really appealed to people so Helen Chamberlain, who I actually ended up picking, was an unknown artist, really. Um, she, I couldn't find anything. I Googled her and couldn't find a thing about her. And I thought, well, I found this old edition that she'd done. But I went, well, where's the, where's the bio biographical notes on Helen? Like, why don't we know anything about this woman? And so I looked and looked and couldn't find anything. And then finally, I came across this article. And this journalist was walking down the street in New York. And he saw some discarded boxes by the trash. And he walked over to them and I guess they looked like they were files of images. And, and so he took a couple of them home with him and he put together her life story from these boxes that had been thrown out in the garbage. And he mm. was able to deduce that she was a single woman, had looked after her mother, her elderly mother. She'd never married, never didn't have any children. And he pieced together her life. And I just thought, well, mm. she's going on the cover of this book <laughs> because mm -hmm. I just thought, I just thought she was so unknown and it's so fun a story. And I thought, why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if anyone ever says history is boring, I mean, come on, that's <laughs> or being, you know, studying history is boring. You know, that's that's amazing. Yeah, there's nothing nothing boring about history. I mean, look at Jonathan O'Dell, uh, Clement Seymour's godfather. I mean, mm. you, that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Not only is the oldest handwritten copy of the poem in existence, in the Odell files up in New Brunswick in Canada in an archive, not in New York, but in New York, in Canada, his godfather was the man who just transcribed the spy coding between Arnold, Benedict Arnold and Andre. Like he mm -hmm. was, he was for the British and he was really involved in the Benedict Arnold um, defection incident. So really interesting, but he's also related to um, Dickinson's, so the uh, first president of uh, Yale University. So mm -hmm. kind of fun, right? Yeah. Not really, not really boring. Well, well, <laughs> it's like you said, uh, at Christmas. This the history of even this poem is just weaving in and out of of uh, history. It sure is. Yeah. You know, and, and you just you can't throw a stone very far without. No matter who you look up, artists or writers. It just like I was doing that one day. I thought, okay, well, I really love like Maxfield Parrish, right? The great artist. Mm -hmm. Let's, did he ever touch this? Like, did he ever do anything? And I went, sure, he did. Mm -hmm. He actually did the sketches for the what was going to be a Santa Claus building in New York City. Uh, but what happened was that project was um, didn't go through because the man behind it was a bit of a a, um, a crook. And he actually took off with all the charity money and went off to Florida. But so, but the but the drawings were done by Maxwell Parrish mm -hmm. of Saint Nicholas, you know Santa Claus, and Maxwell Parrish also illustrated Saint Nicholas for Washington Irving's book, mm. right? One of mm -hmm. his editions later in life. So it, you just can't sort of find something like look at Andy Warhol, right? Nineteen eighty one, the Myth series. There's Santa Claus. You know, it's kind of fun. Yeah, you know, and I was surprised. I don't uh, like even Norman Rockwell. There are some. Christmas things that he uh, he he drew and painted, and you know I I don't know I'm not that familiar with uh, with his um, art. You know I I know who he is, and I've seen all his classics. But even even he you know touches Christmas and uh, has has is represented in the book. Well, Norman Rockwell, I mean, one of the most prominent American artists ever, I'm sure. He um he was born in New York City, and he got his start doing Christmas cards, and then he ends up doing a painting called Twas the Night Before Christmas, and it sold recently for half a million dollars. And mm. he never actually illustrates the poem uh, per se, 
but he does use the poem for illustrations for the cover of Saturday Evening Post repeatedly. Um, mm -hmm. So there's lots and lots of imagery that he um, creates that's, it comes from this poem. And, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate that Norman Rockwell did not do an edition of the poem. And his daughter, um, who does a book about Norman Rockwell's Christmas later on in life, um, they actually use Jesse Wilcox Smith's edition uh, to mm -hmm. illustrate the poem. So that, that's sort of an unfortunate that he never did it. Yeah, because I mean, he's such an iconic painter, you know, I, I, I think he could have really done something amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. The other great one is Garth Williams, Garth Williams, mm -hmm. who illustrated Charlotte's Web and Little House on the Prairie. Sure. He didn't he didn't do it either, but he did do a Santa Claus. I tracked down. See, there you go. Yeah. I thought, OK, well, he didn't do he didn't do Twas the Night Before Christmas, but did he ever do Santa Claus? And sure enough, he did. He did. <laughs> in a story I found in a Family Circle magazine. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to find somebody who doesn't who wasn't associated with the poem in some possible way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, that, that's awesome. Well, one of the things I, I just read today, um, probably about halfway through the book right now, and um, that you, you have printed here a parody of the poem that was published in 1858 called The Night After Christmas. And, uh, you know, this read to me like it was a modern poem almost because he's talking about his children getting sick and throwing mm -hmm. up and <laughs> all mm -hmm. the food coming up. It's just as a parrot that really re uh, resonated with me. But it was it was really funny. What I thought was interesting was how, you know, not really that long after, well, you know, what, 40 or some years, I guess, or well, yeah, you know, somewhere around there, there are, it's become such a part of the culture. They're already starting to write parodies. They're, they're make you know, and I, I think the, the writer of it probably had a fondness for the original, but uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that poem credited to clemency more than night after, but that there's no, his, sure. there's no documentation that substantiates that. So that's a bit of a leap. Um, that he wrote that, and I don't think he did. <laughs> he wrote a lot of other poems, but I don't think he wrote that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, see, I was going to say, do we do we know who wrote it then, or is it just uh, anonymous? I guess. Um, well, we know that Clement Seymour claimed it as his own, and hmm. it, he does he does it in 1837. So, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that he he went as far as to point out to an editor of a newspaper who had who had claimed named someone else as the writer to say, no, 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 correct that it was me. So that's a hard push to sort of say, well, mm -hmm. he's outright lying here. Um, and then there's people who think that, you know, he just went along with the story because by that point it had become famous and he just went along for the ride. It's a, it's a, it's a leap for me. The man was very uh, pious, very religious, very honorable, um, mm. He was very wealthy. He was very successful. He, he didn't need an accolade. I don't get why he would have done that. So, so right, yeah. I think that's a, and his children, I mean, his children, you know, they write about it. Um, his daughter actually illustrates it in 1855 for her husband. Um, mm -hmm. And they have a very close relationship with the poem. So it's kind of a, I don't know, that's, uh, that's difficult for me. And I, and I think until we can find something that says, you know, without question that somebody else wrote it, I think he gets to have the credit for it. I just, oh, yeah. But this book, I didn't want this book to be taken over by that argument because it really, it is a consuming passion of some people to find out who wrote it. And I've gone down that rabbit hole for many, many days of my little life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to come up with nothing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's a bit of a scavenger hunt and it can really... Yeah, I could take up a lot of time. <laughs> well, and, and this book is a great source. If you, if you want to fall down that rabbit hole, I mean, the evidence is all here. So, <laughs> but yeah. uh, what, what I love about the book, though, it, it's just a celebration of the story that has um, touched many of our lives, has been a part of many of our Christmases. Uh, and, and, you know, when we think of like a, a cozy Christmas story, uh, you know, this poem often, more often than not, would probably come to mind. Yes. Well, there's two, there's two really important things, I think, that talk about its longevity. One would be there's no naughty or nice. So there, mm -hmm. there's no threat of punishment. There's no birch and rod. There's no capital punishment. There's no, no, no one's going to get beaten up if you don't, if you're not good. There's no creepy elf hiding out somewhere waiting to tell on you. It's, um, 
it's Christian, it's benevolent, it's kindness, it's love, you know, and, and, and it's magical. So I think that's the benevolence. The, the benevolence is really what I think secured its future. And the other huge piece is that this poem, although written in 1822, was centuries in the making because it comes from St. Nicholas, the legend of St. Nicholas, who was throwing gold balls through the window of a home where three young women were going to be sold into slavery because their dad didn't have any money. So he was anonymously giving to save these young women. And so that's where the, the, the inspiration for the poem comes from. And so I think, you know, mm -hmm. that's why I say it was centuries in the making. Really just looking at the whole story of Santa, you know, outside of the poem, it, it's, it's really like, I think I said in, um, uh, well, one of the, uh, pre previous, one of my previous podcasts, I was talking about Santa and, uh, I, I think it was there. It said it's it's kind of like a story that we're all writing, you know, that we're we're adding little bits of legend to it, and the story's evolving over time, and and once in a while you get a really iconic uh, description or story that sticks with it, you know. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's something we're all contributing to. Yes, sure. And I mean, from Mickey Mouse, Disney, right? You yep. Know, yep. To Winnie the Pooh, everybody's done a version of it in some way and added their own little piece of magic to it. I mean, you know, look at Disney and the sort of the hope that those characters portray, like Mickey Mouse, right? Mm -hmm. Or Jiminy Cricket. You know, the hope that's in Twas is a big piece of Disney. And and mm -hmm. so, you know, you can see sometimes you can see an addition they've sort of taken it over. So, like I was looking at the Mickey Mouse edition the other day or or disney's winnie the pooh edition and it doesn't talk about clemency more and it's sort of you go yeah but then you go but there's a magic of it that sort of suits that so well that it's mm -hmm. i can understand why it's so popular with disney <laughs> they've done many versions of it well i was curious to ask when did you first become aware of the poem in your life uh, was it something that was read to you as a kid sure i'm 64 so i got the poem as a very as a president as a young young child i still have the edition and I've always loved it. And I've always loved children's literature. So I have, you know, a large Christmas collection of children's books for my mm -hmm. little granddaughter who turns one tomorrow. Oh, fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, very fun. So, um, yeah, I've just always been really involved in children's books. I just I had a lot of very supportive relatives who provided me with lots of literature in life. And I've just been privileged, yeah, to have that. Yes, I, I often thank my grandma for giving me uh, books all the time when I was a kid. She, she'd constantly give me books and stories and things to read. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I can't remember, you know, when I first came across the poem, it's kind of like one of those things that has always been, you know, there, I guess. And could be just because of music or TV shows I'd watch as a kid. You know, it was just a poem I was aware of. I, I know when my oldest son was, was about the age of four or so, I can remember... Mm -hmm going into a bookstore with him at Christmas time. And I found, I found a copy of the, of the, the poem. It was nice. I can't remember who did the illustrations in that one, but it, it was really nice. And so I, you know, I read it to him and, and he really enjoyed that. And it was kind of a tradition for a couple of years anyway, uh, to read that. And as many people do have that tradition of reading the story. And they have their own, I collect was, and I, I've mm -hmm. certainly been in touch with a lot of people who have very major collections, but it's, I think it's. they say it's the most collected piece of all Christmas literature. The um, interesting thing is that people have editions from their childhood and that's their favorite. I have been collecting and I when I, I bought, I think three editions yesterday and I really like an elf like Santa. I like a small sort of endearing little character. I don't like the great big on human sort of imagery as much mm -hmm. um, when I'm collecting. But when you come at collecting, I mean, it can be from the most valuable. You're, you're pursuing ones that you can make money on. You can collect the poem because you want to go and find some from your era, you know, like the 60s or the 50s or 70s, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or you can just go and find the great artists, the ones that you just love, you know. So uh, like Jesse Wilcox Smith, who's great. Um, but there's all kinds of great ones out there. There's, I think, 2,000 plus in print plus all the newspapers and all the other editions, magazines, but just, you know, book publications. There's about 2,000 out there. So uh, uh, how, how many copies of Twas the Night do you have? Or can, can you guess? <laughs> I, I probably have 100. I mean, oh, sure. I when I started working on this book, I went, do, do not start collecting Twas, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> where is it going to go and what's the point of that? Like, But I ended up, because I was 
researching this book, I ended up having to buy some editions because I had to get the artwork and original mm -hmm. source. And I also wanted to see the book. I wanted to hold some of these books and be able to see how it was designed. I wanted to see the books. Mm -hmm. And so I started buying them. And then I bought some Washington Irving because I happened to fall in love with Washington Irving in this process. And I bought his Christmas books. So, yeah. you know, you, you just kind of um, build a collection by default sometimes. So now I'm going, okay, you, you really need to get a handle on this collection because <laughs> what are you going to do with this collection? But, you know, I mean, some people have like a thousand copies. I know some people. Wow. One in, yeah, they do. I met a woman the other day in Ohio, Ohio and she has, I think, 400. So, you know, each of these collections has sort of a... a um, a mandate, right? It has like right. an agenda. Mine doesn't. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I like it. I buy it. Yeah. I mean, I bought one yesterday because it was undervalued on eBay. It was a hundred dollars less than I know it's worth. So I went, oh, okay. And I just yeah. bought a collection for a museum. I just was hired um, to buy a collection for a museum and get them started, which mm -hmm. I did in, in September. Mm -hmm. That was really fun, right? Totally. Just, yeah. 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 And it looks great. They got a beautiful bookcase for it. And I, it looks great. So I was happy about that. Yeah. Oh, that, now that sounds like a fun job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go book fun. shopping for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to collect books of A Christmas Carol by Dickens. Uh, and I only have maybe about 10 or 15 of those right now, uh, probably closer to 10. But there is one I really want to get that I don't know why I haven't gotten it yet, but the illustrations are gorgeous. And I can't remember who, who offhand now who did it, but uh, his, his paintings, uh, pictures for the book are probably some of the most beautiful uh, Christmas Carol illustrations I've seen. And for whatever reason, it's always been on my to buy list, but I've never gotten around to it. <laughs> so have but, you ever, have you uh -huh. got to see Dickens at the Morgan in New York city? The actual, they put it out at Christmas time, his hand, his manuscript. Oh, no, they I own, have not. They own it. Yeah. Really fun. I have a book that has um, the facsimile uh, copies of, of the handwriting handwritten manuscript but i haven't seen it in person yeah. Wow. yeah that that would be a a trip i need to take yeah i better put that on my list too <laughs> yeah well i think they only put it out at christmas but i'm not sure about that and then there's sure. four there's four handwritten manuscripts of twas by clemency moore again mm -hmm. you know was mm -hmm. the man really going to write it out and sign his name to it if he wasn't if it wasn't his poem right it's a push to say yeah, he no. did. It's just a push for me. The um, and one of them's at the Rochester, the Strong Museum up in Rochester, and the other one is at the New York Historical Society, and then at uh, this one in California, and there's a private one. So it'll be fun to see what they do for the celebration of the bison of the bicentennial to see if they mm -hmm. mount major exhibits and 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 get going here. I know Troy, New York, is going to do a lot of things because. Troy was where it was first published in 1823 for December 23rd. And uh, I've talked to them and we're going to do some events there as well. Uh, so next year will be a big year. But I'm celebrating this year, 2022, because this is the year that I believe Clemens Moore wrote the poem and read the poem to his children on Christmas Eve of mm -hmm. 1822. So this is the official for me. But I plan to be celebrating in 2023 as well when we celebrate the publication of it. So it's a full year, <laughs> full on Christmas for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, sounds like a great time to me, but yeah. And, you know, I mean, celebrating from, you know, 2022 to 2023, I mean, you're, you're going from the, perhaps the time he read it to the time it was published and, and it's that whole year of, of celebration. So that, that really makes sense to me, uh, you know, great. Yeah. yeah. Well, as I was telling, I have 30 year old twins, uh, daughters, and I was, I'm 64. And I was saying to my children, if I was 30 years old, you know, and had, you know, all the energy I had back then, I'd be doing a major installation in the middle of Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm going to try and keep it in a dull roar. <laughs> you know? sure. We're just going to, we're going to figure this out. But uh, I don't know exactly what's planned by the great big museums in New York City who actually this poem belongs to. Um, because it was written on Christmas Eve of 1820 of 1822 in Chelsea, New York. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I we'll have to watch and see what they do. But I hope they do something really big. It, it yeah. deserves it, doesn't it? I mean, I don't well, you yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, it's been an integral part of so many people's Christmas traditions. Um, it, it's probably most of us have it memorized, and we don't even know it, you know. <laughs> and and how many 
you know, how many movies and TV shows and everything have either had it as a main part of their story or they've taken elements of it and, you know, adapted it to their film. I mean, countless films, it's had a phenomenal cultural impact. Well, I mean, if you were to sort of, if you were, let's just say you were a Martian and you're looking down yeah. on Christmas Eve, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many people in the world are actually celebrating this poem on Christmas Eve? Like, billions of people and then right. there's these santa trackers right this i did that last christmas i just love that where you you follow santa on his sleigh and you get this geography lesson of the whole yeah. world it was so interesting i was like oh look at this where is where is he now and then i go look where he is i didn't even heard of this country yeah <laughs> <was> like, yeah <laughs> no no well, yeah that uh <laughs> we i discovered uh that a couple of years ago when our kids were younger and, and we kind of had some fun with that but uh, I still occasionally will look at it on Christmas Eve and I'm like, oh, he's in Iowa now. Time to go to bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better get to bed. <laughs> it's just so much fun, right? Yeah. It's just so much fun. And then, you know, just the magic and the, and the power of imagination and just magical thinking. I mean, I talk about this a lot, like to instill magical thinking and hope in people. I mean, in, especially in children, like that's that's great, Right. It's great. I've had people say to me, oh, I don't want to read that poem because I was devastated as a little boy when I found out about Santa Claus and I went, oh, no, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Like, it's, it's magic and it's hope and it's, mm-hmm. you know, creative thinking. It's what mm-hmm. it is, right? So, yeah. you know, it's just sad that someone wouldn't want to read it to their kids because they wouldn't, they can't handle the Santa Claus conversation. <laughs> you know, it's like, or the <laughs> right. Easter Bunny conversation, right? It's like, right. okay. Right. right. <laughs> Well, you know, in, on a recent episode, I, I had just uh, posted on my social media accounts. I just asked the question, is Santa Claus real? You know, if, if somebody were to ask you that, how would you answer it? And the response I got was amazing uh-huh. to the point where I, I just pretty much had a whole episode of just reading everyone's responses because, you know, uh, I, I think only one person said, uh, no, I didn't think, you know, I don't think he's real because I'm a rational adult. But uh, you know, everyone was like, yeah, you know, I, yes, I believe in him or in the magic or, you know, when we act this way, you know, we are exhibiting what we've imagined in, in uh, or what, how Santa is, you know, in, in, in the uh, character that he is. And it was just a really amazing outpouring of, of joy yes. uh, to, to, to answer that question as, as an adult, you know, and yeah, we're, we're all a, a bunch of just grown up kids, I guess. <laughs> Well, I was talking to someone one day and she said, you know, you know, it's like Winnie the Pooh. I mean, mm. you know, can you imagine if we didn't have Winnie the Pooh in the world or Snoopy, my favorite? Like, right. you know, yeah. they're part of, I mean, Snoopy's a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he cheers me up regularly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's like, the life is just so much more colorful when you have all these wonderful characters, you know, I just can't imagine life without all these great characters around you. And that would include Santa. I mean, they're just, they add to life immensely in my opinion. No. Yeah, they do. Uh, They, they, it's a joyful part of how we celebrate. It's uh, you know, it, it, it stirs the imagination and really captures. uh, And I think that's one of the things that the poem does so well. It just captures that mystery and, yet uh, excitement and joy of christmas uh mm-hmm. that all in one little poem it, and it's it's yeah. phenomenal and it, and as i touched on it before this whole naughty or nice is out the window you know there's none yeah. of that um you know it's inclusive it's mm-hmm. it, every little child can it's me it's not like you know i have to do anything it's just you being you just as you are are good enough you're fine you know you're good <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. you're part of this you know it's like i think that's a really big piece um because there's and this creepy naughty or nice sort of concept comes back in i mean you see it rewritten back into the art back into the story i find that really interesting right mm-hmm. the people just felt that need to get that back in there <laughs> you know? yeah yeah it's uh well i know like a lot of the books and things written for kids you know in the 1800s especially were very moralistic stories and you know that teaching you a lesson and this and that so i can kind of see how that developed into santa claus's story Um, i think there's one of the poems you you uh printed in here that it starts off you know uh, santa claus with great delight um can't remember the rest but 
Yeah. Uh, I, I've read that poem before on my podcast and it, it's, it's kind of funny unintentionally, I guess, because he's talking about, you know, beating the kids that aren't good and <laughs> like, oh my, this is, yeah. this it, is not the story I want to read. <laughs> I know, but it, it comes back in. I mean, it's, you see it, you see it often. The naughty or nice will come back in, you know, in the artwork and, and in captions and things, you'll see people say, you know, the naughty or nice and, it's 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 an interesting concept, but it's not the benevolence that Chris that Clemency Moore was intending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like. There's a few stories and um, maybe a couple movies I saw recently that um, imply, or at least even straight out said that there no one's on on the naughty list. You know, it uh, kids are on the nice list. It's it's uh, that's how Santa rolls. So <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you love Dickens, right? I mean, you love yep. Dickens and Dickens is all about redemption, right? That's what Christmas Carol and yeah, and he was also a huge um, uh, proponent of ch child welfare, right? That was mm -hmm. his big thing. And, and so these two books go together so well, mm -hmm. right? They're both ghost stories. They're both spirit stories. They're both hope, redemption. Mm -hmm. um, they're both kind, you know, they're, they're wonderful and they belong together, I think. But um, it's fascinating that we have Sort of, I, I wouldn't say forgotten Washington Irving. He's certainly not forgotten, but he's, he needs to play a huge piece here, or you know, part of this, because he really was the first one who has Saint Nicholas flying over the skies in a wagon in New York. I mean, this is mm -hmm. people forget about Washington Irving. And I just came from Sunnyside, his home. I was on tour in New York, and I went and visited him, his home. And uh, yeah, he was he was amazing. Just mm. an amazing writer, and I think he gave us santa claus myself i think mm. and he when he wrote the knickerbocker he actually launches it at saint nicholas day at the um saint nicholas society's dinner so you know it's it's he's a big piece he's a big part of this christmas story is washington irving and in my book i've got a chapter called the american saint and that that's sort of alluding to washington irving i have plans hopefully um later this year, maybe next year to, to kind of dig into some of Washington Irving's, uh, Christmas stories. Uh, and, and you, I know you mentioned them in your book too, uh, that cause, uh, you know, those it's interesting, you know, we think, Oh, Coca-Cola designed it this way or whatever, but you, you dig into history and you find out, no, that's not true. That, I mean, that there's, there's evidence of this long before that came around. Oh, definitely. And Washington Irving predates Dickens and Dickens loved mm -hmm. Washington Irving. He carried mm -hmm. him around in his pocket. He said he mused with him more than anyone else in life. And and lots of the things from Christmas Carol come from Washington Irving. Lots of the imagery, lots of the language. You know, it's Washington's brother's name was Ebenezer. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, that, lots of people call it Ebenezer, but Dickens' um, admiration for Washington Irving's was immense. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, um, Washington Irving was inspired by Sir Walter Scott, you know, who's Sir Walter Scott kind of when Washington Irving visited him, he said, you need to go to Germany, you need to speak German and you need to read German folktales. And then, of course, Washington Irving writes these wonderful stories, Sleepy Hollow and everything. Right. So mm -hmm. he, these people didn't work in vacuums. Right. They, they, right. they touched each other. And that's sort of when I said in the introduction to my book that Stephen Jobs said that creativity is connectivity. It's it's true. I mean, mm -hmm. history is not boring. If you connect the dots between people, you find fascinating things, right? Like the Dickens, Washington Irving friendship, you know, uh, really, mm -hmm. really important, you know, to understand the whole story is to understand the relationship that those two literary giants had, you know, as far as um, peers. You know, and I, I, I often wonder, you know, how would the world be different without some of these stories, you know, without A Christmas Carol or without Twas the Night, you know, these are these are stories that have had a profound impact on our culture and and for good and you know and i know you know there's a movie out a couple of years ago um about dickens called you know the man who invented christmas and right. which isn't entirely true obviously you know but no <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> it's like well there, there's a couple of other guys here to help but um it, that's actually kind of a one of my little pet peeves because the, the book that it was based on um, acknowledges that Dickens didn't invent Christmas, but that it was kind of an ironic title he was using in, in, in anyway. So, but then the, I think the movie just, the, the people who made the movie just tied into the title and said, oh, okay, yeah, this, this will sell. And anyway, but no. uh, that's a whole other story. But yeah, we, you know, we think of these characters, these, these people, you know, like oh, Dickens and, and uh, Clement C. Moore, you know, that they helped us 
not invent Christmas, but they really had a profound impact on how we celebrate Christmas. And that's some of the things I like to discover and explore is, you know, how, the, the history of our traditions and, and how we got to this point. Right. Like, like the Christmas tree. I mean, the Christmas tree yeah. in 1822, there wouldn't have been a Christmas tree. They, that comes later, right? So mm -hmm. you look at these things. What would they have been doing in 1822 or 1820? Um, you know, they would not have been doing Christmas Eve like this. And they it, they would have been doing New Year's Eve, definitely. Uh, Christmas Day dinner, yes. Mm -hmm. Religious ceremonies, possibly some presents for little children, like some trinkets, but not this way, not the way it... And when the Christmas tree does come along it really has an influence on Christmas because then people are giving presents, not just for children, but for adults as well. Mm. And that's, um, that's a really big development, right? Mm -hmm. um, so just think where we'd be without Christmas presents. Like just imagine, right? It would just be so different. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have this microphone for one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh... Uh, but well, and then, um, I had one other uh, question I was gonna, going to ask. Did uh, Clement uh, Moore did he write any more uh, Christmas poems, or is the one with about Santa was that it? He publishes his book in 1844. It's called Poetry by Clement C. Moore, and there's another poem in there. It's about Christmas, um, but only really snowfall. It's not really doesn't mm -hmm. really talk about children and and Christmas Eve or anything like that. But um, it's still a lovely poem, and it actually appeared in the Troy Sentinel newspaper not long after Twas did. So it's another piece of evidence that it goes towards it being more, because mm. okay, you've got 1823, December 23rd, and then I think it's 27 days later, this other poem appears by Clement Seymour. So it's kind of like, okay, we got it makes sense that somebody gave yeah. a couple of poems to Orville Hawley. I mean, Orville Hawley was the editor of the paper, and he... Um, He's a fascinating character. That's another story. But I, um, I think that uh, he always just sort of reserved, you know, he didn't say who it was because I guess he didn't think that it was his privilege to do so. But mm. he, you know, he got the poem from a woman named Sarah Sackett and uh, who lived in Troy, who got it probably from Harriet Butler. But the lack of evidence is startling. It's just you think you're going to find something and then you go down and it's like, wow, because these people all wrote journals like Washington Irving certainly did. Um, mm -hmm. Julian for Plank sure did. But, you know, you plow through 10 feet of manuscripts and you can't find them talking about this poem. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's just fascinating <laughs> that yeah. someone didn't write down, you know, Oh, I just heard this poem <laughs> you know, or, Right. You know, or it just, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so many fun things yet to discover, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, what a fun project this must've been. I don't know. It's a lot of hard work too. Uh, just we're looking at it and everything you've gathered together, but it, it's one I, I'm highly recommending to people. Uh, it make a great Christmas gift, a wonderful gift to have, or a book just to have sitting out at Christmas time to help add to the, uh, to the enjoyment, the atmosphere of, of your celebrations. So. Pamela, I'm I'm gotta uh, gotta run here soon, but I, I do want to thank you for coming on and and just sharing with us this wonderful book. I appreciate it very much. Oh no, it was great fun. And if you ever want to talk about Dickens again or Washington Irving, I'd love to talk to you because I I think those two people had an, a huge influence on all of this as well. Okay, perfect. Well, well, I might have to plan something then because uh, okay. I, like I said, I I want to kind of dig into Washington Irving a little more down the road here. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm see what all he's added to Christmas. I live, breathe, and eat Dickens, but uh, so sometimes it's good to come up and look at other things. So. <laughs> yes. Washington Irving, huge, and Dickens, yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, any, I don't know if you have any um, exciting plans for Christmas this year or anything. Well, I'm going to try and I've got a 21-day book tour of New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. So and I, I, the only thing I hope is that my rental car has snow tires. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest problem at the moment. But yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, thank you. Yes, you, uh, you stay safe on the road. And thanks again for coming on. Okay. Bye. Thank you for this great year. That's 
we have ahead, this great season we have coming. I'm going to be hitting uh, some pretty big milestones uh, this year. I'll quite possibly be have my 100th episode, and the download numbers have been continuing to increase in, in, in ways that truly baffle me. So uh, thank you. Uh, you. You guys are the coziest bunch of listeners I've, I've had, and you bring me Christmas cheer all the time. Thank you for being a kind and supporting community, and uh, you, you all are the best. You truly are. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. All right, so that'll be it for me today. Um, as always, if you want to help us out, we thank you so much for all that you do to make help make this podcast happen. I've got some links in the show notes about ways you can help support uh, the show financially as well as some some merchandise uh, merch store links and a t-shirt store link on, on Teespring. Just different things that uh, might be of interest to you. I've got some hand-painted ornaments still. I'm not sure if this year I will be able to have any Ebenezer Scrooge ornaments painted or not. Those take a lot of time, and I just haven't had time to make those this year. If you make a donation on Kofi.com, I'll send you a bookmark and a podcast sticker. So that's it for me today. Thank you for being the best listener community that I've ever been a part of. You guys are the best. So as always, continue to be kind to each other. Look for ways to do good. And remember to honor Christmas in your heart and try to keep it all the year. Have a very Merry Christmas.